Welcome back to the Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams in the house. We're at Hooligans Elizabeth, one of our favorite places to Home grab a pint. And we're here to talk about a lot of things, but it's officially Match Week 1. It's, it's Match Week 1. We've waited years for this, and uh, we are here. We're days away from Charlotte FC being a real Major League Soccer franchise that has points in the table. Hopefully, we'll see. But, uh, John, what are you drinking today? That's a great question. Uh, I've got Magners with ice in a, a Guinness pint. It's a sneaky, great beverage to have while you're watching afternoon Premier League, afternoon Champions League, and enjoying some of the best soccer in the world, and that's what we're doing here today. Yeah, we've been watching Champions League uh, all day before recording this episode, and uh, I've been enjoying some nice Old Met Copper, OMB. This is my, probably my favorite brewery in Charlotte. Uh, I, I do have several favorites, but I'll lean OMB if it comes down to it, and I always drink a copper pretty much any place that I go that offers it, so uh, happy to be drinking one with you today. Let's, uh, let's talk some soccer. I think just to set the bar exactly where it needs to be for the listeners who are going to check in to this pod and have uh, an interest in learning about local beer, I will do my best. Um, but I do have some some beverages of choice in in which I prefer over local craft. So hey, you should drink what you like. I like Magners. I like Stella. I like Guinness. And I do my best. There's some great beers on tap here, by the way. Um, there's there's Noda on tap here. There's Birdsong on tap here. There's Devil's Logic on tap here, a great Elizabeth establishment. So there's there's plenty of options here. It's a great place to hang, dude. Can't go wrong. You, you really can't. Okay, so the reason why we're here, of course, is because in Charlotte we're, we're ramping up to this big inaugural match, which, by the way, Brams and I hopping in the car, driving up I-95, getting to the United States capital city to watch this squad kick off its its first ever season. There's we have to go. I, I, I'm a little upset that Charlotte doesn't get to start its season at home. It's unfortunate that our very first game will be played on the road, but I wouldn't miss it for the world. So we're going to be there. We, we had traded some messages uh, before we recorded the pod about how the truckers protest is heading to D.C. and we're just like, is this really going to cause traffic for us? I don't think it is going to cause traffic for us getting into town, but potentially out of town. Get, getting the hell out of town on Sunday could be dicey. We'll see what the truckers uh, have in store for us, for sure. We're staying in the Navy Yard, right, which is super close to the stadium. Yes. So, so the best news about being in town is and getting those spots is that we're going to be in the Navy Yard. We're going to have a place to stay there and be within walking distance of Audi Field. Can't wait. So... You put those two together, and, and you can have a great weekend, no matter what's happening on the Beltway around yeah, our nation's we're, capital. We're definitely going to see history made on Saturday with Charlotte to FC starting its inaugural season. Who knows if we're going to see history made on Sunday with a uh, massive potential protest coming uh, to demonstrate the nation's capital. We'll see. So here's what we're, we're talking about today. Carol Swiderski. Will he play in this match? He's questionable and, in my mind, doubtful. Why? Visa issues. He's back in Poland. As of this podcast recording, he's not back here in the United States. And at this point, on Wednesday evening, it feels like a long shot to get him back here to play on Saturday. So we're going to discuss that and what it means for the squad, especially in the final third. Because without Swiderski... Who's going to score the goals, John? 
That's the question. Exactly right. We're going to get into the defense. Anton Walks, our defender, didn't train this week. And that's okay with you. Yes. And that's completely okay with you. Yes, exactly right. I think the reason why is the strength in the defense. You've heard me talk about this many, many times. Love the strength in our spine. This is where our manager, Miguel Angel Ramirez, wants to build the play out of MAR. He's the type of manager that is not going to hit long balls over the top, not sit back and defend. He wants to play out of that back line, and that is where the strength of the team is. And I think those tactics combined can keep us in a lot of these games. Which, by the way, a note that I want to make is, for sure, season predictions. Now's the time. It's like, what happens? Yeah. I've been seeing all over. we got to go on the record. Right. It's, it, we're going to go on the record there. And then there's, there's been a lot of chatter, some negative activity we've seen regarding the, the front office. And not all of it has come from me, amazingly enough. So, Is this team prepared for its first kick? Roster spots available. Two of three designated players still not signed. No wingers on the squad, a patchwork formation. We'll get into whether this, this franchise was launched in the right way because you can't argue with the fact that they're going to play its, it's going to play its first professional match on Saturday. So that, at that point, it's game on. And you can't, you can't look back and say we should have done this or we should have done that. So first and foremost, let's start brands with Swiderski. Do you, do you have the latest update on this? Can, can, you, can you tell me? What should what should I expect on Saturday when it comes to if Swiderski is not there, how does this team create? Well, what we're going to do is try to create through set pieces, I think. And uh, I think we'll probably see a similar lineup to what we saw in the final game of the Carolina Challenge Cup in terms of being a 3-5-2 formation instead of uh, the 4-3-3 that Miguel who's prefers. Up on the, who's, at, who's at the top of that 3-5-2? Like, I think it's is, Jordi Reyna. And then I think it's – they might put TT there as almost like a false striker. That doesn't quite obviously work with the 3-5-2, but I, I could see that. He's more likely to be in the center attacking mid-roll, obviously, but I don't know if McKenzie Gaines is ready, but I would like to see him there. He's, he's talented. Uh, you know, I don't think he's our big guy this year as far as goals. Well, but what, what does what does McKenzie, what is McKenzie Gaines – what does his start mean? He started against – Inter Miami. Because Carroll wasn't in, in the United States of America, pretty much. Uh, so, McKenzie's been working his way back from injury. He's a good he's young He's going to start. But he's pretty much forced into a start here for 100%. Yeah. And what we love about him is his fire. He's uh, He comes from Austin, Texas, which is my hometown before I moved to Charlotte. So uh, I feel a little bit of kinship there with him as far as going Austin to CLT. And I've seen videos of him, of him talking about his adjustment uh, getting here. He, he loves it. He was on Austin FC last year as part of their initial roster when they launched this expansion. Never seemed to get on the field. And I know a lot of fans were very upset about that. They were, frankly, pissed off, Austin fans that I know, that uh, the team completely underutilized McKenzie Gaines. So that, a to me, is a sneaky, yeah. good player on this squad that we haven't talked a lot about. Right. And he's, he's not going to be the main guy this year, but he's got to be one of the main guys on Saturday, 100%. I mean, we, we have Swiderski, who you assume the VC issues, you know, are just uh, formalities that will be worked out. We have Vinny Mello, you know, who is another guy we have not talked about a lot on this pod, who 
is dealing with injury issues, has yet to really feature for us in any of the preseason action. Tons of excitement about him, and we're, we'll have plenty all year to talk about him. But right this weekend, it's McKenzie, I think. I, Jordi Reyna is going to be up top, but I, I don't really like – I don't want Jordi Reyna starting on this team. I mean, I, you know, I've made no secret about that. So uh, it would be great for McKenzie to show us something. Where can listeners find you on social? I'm at, at Danny Brams on Twitter, and uh, I love to mix it up a little bit. You know, I, I use my account a lot of times just to talk about uh, professional projects I'm working on, but I, I do like to joke around a little bit. I try not to get myself in trouble, so uh, if you want my real opinion, sometimes you're going to have to meet me in person. But uh, come see me on Twitter, too, because it is fun, and I, I never mind an extra follower. The reason why we're having this discussion about tactical formation, about who plays up top, is because we're going to get in the weeds of this squad. We're going to get you, we're going to get you the information you need to know this franchise. We've put the work in. Danny has put the work in. Brams understands how this team's how this team operates. And while we expect to have 70,000, 70, maybe more, seventy-five thousand, it's not going to get to eighty thousand. But a record attendance number in the first match of the season. There's a lot of people that are going to trickle off after that. The upper deck, if you will, is going to be open for this inaugural match. And for the rest of the season, it's going to be closed. So he and Miguel Angel Ramirez is, is somebody that do we understand exactly what his midfield responsibilities are? When you think about his midfield, what happens during the match that fans can expect to see on Saturday? Who is going to be defensive-minded? Who is going to be offensive-minded? Well, from what I saw, the, the main three midfielders that I would hope to see on Saturday, and for, for at least for the most part in the early part of the season until we bring in some new guys, uh, would be Sergio Ruiz in the sixth role, just kind of playing that center defensive mid. You know, covering for the center backs, looking to launch a little bit longer passes when he gets possession. And then you got uh, Alan Franco, my boy. I'm a, I'm a confessed and professed Alan Franco lover already so far in, in his, his time at CLTFC. And, you know, he is your, sort of your hybrid. He's your box-to-box. He's going to get into the attack. He's right. also going to track back on defense, right. point out defensive assignments and things like that. And then you got T.T. Ortiz, who is the center attacking mid, who's going to be, you know, He's on the free kicks. He's the guy that's trying to play make. He's the guy that's trying to get fouled to so, draw. So if you're a kick. newbie and you're watching the match and you're thinking, okay, how this team is going to create, T.T. Ortiz feels like the guy right. that you should have your eye on. 100%. He's, he's jersey number 10 on the field. Uh, sorry, let me correct myself. He's shirt number 10 on the pitch. And he is going to be you know, a dynamic player. He's the guy that you want to watch. He comes from Liga MX. He uh, was a star at Tijuana there. Uh, you know, one, one concern I do have with him is that when he played at Tijuana, he was often subbed at around the 60-minute mark. He, he doesn't always finish games, and that could be a problem. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, working under Miguel, maybe he can get his conditioning up, and maybe, maybe that's something that he can grow into. But he's very creative. He's very attacking-minded, and especially with not our main strikers available and, and no designated players on uh, the first game of the season, uh, it, it's all eyes on TT in Washington, D.C. on Saturday night. I loved what I saw from him in the Carolina Challenge Cup as far as being on the ball in free kick opportunities. 
he has the ability to whip one in. Right, he, scored, he has scored a free kick goal in this preseason. Not in that cup, but in a different preseason game. Yeah, which, by the way, we didn't celebrate the first goal in franchise history. It was Christian McCoon, I believe. Penalty kick bit. from the spot. Yeah, Christian McCoon from the spot. Penalty drawn by who else? My boy Alan Franco getting into the box and making things happen. And, yeah, I mean, we get... I, we're far enough away from the Carolina Challenge Cup that I don't really want to dwell on it too much, but it was nice to finally score a goal. That was so what we talked about in the last episode. We wanted yes. to see. We a accomplished goal. our goal. That's yeah. why we're cheering. Yeah. Correct. Cheersing Correct. to it. You know, we're saying this is this is our win in the Carolina Challenge Cup. Yeah. Even though we finished behind every MLS squad in the competition, we scored matter. that fucking goal right. in that extra time in the third match. Yeah. So and we didn't go home with fucking nothing. Dude. And uh McCoon is funny. His his penalty kick run up, you know, he did the sort of like the Run up to the ball Dude, quickly, no. then stop, it and was then do classy. the big left-footed swing. I mean, it, you know. I thought it was classy. <laughs> I thought it was like a great kick. He scored it easily. It was aimed well, and the keeper had no chance. So, so there that's, you go. Yeah. is that not what matters? How I'm not a huge fan you? of like big elaborate PK run-ups, but I, yeah. I, I thought it was a classy goal, and to be honest with you, I think it should be shown around Charlotte High School's. It should be shown to youth academies. Hey, this is when when you grow up, you want to be able to do this to start your account for your squad. Go to the spot and finish. It doesn't matter how you do it. If you bang it up into the top corner, great. If you if your walk up is weird, but you continue your, your momentum, wait for the goalkeeper to make its his first move. That's what he did, by the way, and that's mm-hmm. why it's classy. Mm-hmm. You watch him make the move, and you just slide it to the other side. So I, I respect it. I, I love I love that breakdown and. I will defer to that because, you know, part of the dynamic we have in the show, like you just said a few minutes ago, I'm the one who's following the news every single detail. You're the one who knows a lot more about soccer tactics and how to be a soccer player. You've played much more than me in your life. You've had a a career as a high school soccer player. And so I'm going to have to take your word for it. If if the PK kick was run up, if you say it's good, then it's good in my book. I'm going to rescind my criticism, and uh, I'm just glad we scored. I love McCoon. We'll talk about it more (laughs) in the next next segment, but I love McCoon. I'm going to brag up on him in a minute. Don't worry about it. It's the Charlotte Soccer Show. You can find me at John Hayes on air, on Twitter, at Danny Brams as well. We've got a lot to talk about. The, The front office is, you wouldn't say under fire, but... People are starting to understand, including people at the athletic. They're almost underwater. (laughs) (laughs) We'll leave it at that and, and come back to you after this. All right, we're back. Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams. We mentioned Christian McCoon, what he brings to you on the defensive side let's talk defense. of this squad. So let's talk defense, and then we're going to build up what this starting 11 is. We're going to give you our projected starting 11 for the first match on Saturday, starting with that spine, which if you've listened to – by the way, if you haven't listened to our first two episodes, now's a really good time to do it. it they're pretty evergreen. 
We give you a breakdown of the open practice. We give you a breakdown of what we saw at the Carolina Challenge Cup as well. Discuss this roster, what to expect from season one. So go back in the feed. That's one of my favorite yeah. things to do on a podcast. Go back in the feed when those, when those episodes still matter, and they do here now. Get caught up on our episodes. Get yourself ready for the opening of the season. Every bit of information we gave you in those early episodes is still relevant today as we're recording this new one. And then before you're done... Go give us a five-star review, please, real quick on the uh, on your app of your choice. We don't mind that at all. Absolutely. Five-star review. And leave a comment, leave a review. Let us know what you like about the show. So, Rams, let's start in the back. Christian McCoon, he's going to be there alongside who and I think it's, why. I think it's Guzman Carujo and Christian McCoon. Uh, you know, I said earlier in this podcast that I liked the three-five-two, and I would love to see that, but I don't think we can quite go there with walks out, unless we're willing to start Fuchs, which I just don't think is going to happen. So I think we will end up with just two center backs in the match against D.C. United, you know, contradicting myself from earlier. But I'll be the voice of I the think casual. it's McCoon and, and Carujo. I'll be the voice of the casual fan uh, for the sake of this conversation, and that is, wait a minute, like, we made a big deal about signing this player from Leicester City who everybody knows he's the face of the franchise and he can't even get on the pitch in game one when he's fit? Well, he is fit. And I'm not going to say that I'd be shocked to see him on the pitch, but he's also... He's not really there to be an everyday starter for for this team. He's just team dad. That's all he does. He's team dad, as we've nicknamed him in this pod. And, you know, he's 35 years old. He's a... A career fullback. He's won the English Premier League as a fullback. Yeah, center back. And, is and now we're now position. we're converting him to center back because That's he's just point. just simply not fast enough to, to get up the wings and stuff anymore. But he's as smart as he ever was, and I wouldn't be wouldn't be shocked to see him out there. I'm not going to predict it. I will predict that it we go with a back line of Jalen Lindsay, Christian McCoon, Guzman Carujo, and Joseph Mora. Mora's a, a veteran. This is actually a revenge game for him because he he came to us from DC United. And uh, I think he's got to get the start. Moore is going to be on that left-hand side. The, the real question is Lindsay versus Harrison Affle, who uh, I, I want to see Lindsay. I'm projecting Lindsay in my own predictions. There's a chance that it could end up being Harrison Affle just because he's a veteran. And we're, we're a brand-new team. You're going on the road for your first game. I'm not going to be shocked if Miguel puts a veteran out there. I just think there's so much more upside to just get Jalen Lindsay on the pitch as quickly as possible. He's a Charlotte kid. He's, I want to say, just incidentally, kind of off to the side, that he is by far the most exciting hype man for this team that I've seen on social media so far because he's out there. He's getting with the fans. He's using his youth and his exuberance. I, I and think his he was. I think he was taking over the MLS's Snapchat today. It's great. I love to see it. I mean, this is a kid who who knows how to connect. He loves Charlotte. He grew up here. He went out to Sporting Kansas City to start his MLS career, and we were lucky enough to bring him back here home to Charlotte. I think. So he, he's one of our own. He's one of our own. Yeah, he's one of our own. Jalen Lindsay. <laughs> he's one of our own. Absolutely. So that's important. And I think like. When we are constructing this roster, you, when you think about homegrown players from Charlotte, from North Carolina, from the region, it's not that we give them preferential treatment, but you have to respect the connection. Imagine being one of those homegrown prospects playing here. It's really special, and, and we should identify who those people are. Brant Bronico, mm-hmm. Bronny Bro. 
Right. Ron Bro, another Charlotte product, went to UNCC. Uh, he's a 49er. He played uh, in Chicago. He's played at the highest level. You know, he's someone who actually doesn't project to crack our starting lineup because our midfield is so strong. And I think that's great depth to have an MLS veteran uh, who loves the community. He spent the last year playing for the Independents and built a strong, you know, uh, camaraderie with Fuchs and the guys. So, you know, he's kind of like part of the core of our team. And he, he, we don't even necessarily need him on the pitch because other guys are more talented. So, yeah, the homegrown connection is there. We need to make it more. We, you know, they have the MLS homegrown pro, uh, program. Because we're such a new franchise, we don't really have any techni technical homegrowns, as I say. But I'm going to consider Lindsay and even Bronico as, as homegrowns for our first year. So if Bronico doesn't, if Bronny Bro doesn't make the starting lineup. I love Bronny Bro. We've got our back line set. Yep. What do we have in the midfield on top of that back four? Uh, I'll, I'll, let's get there. I, we, we, just because we skipped goalkeeper, Christian Kalina, obviously, number one. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, yeah, not, we, not, yes. yeah. Sorry. Just, just for the sake of mentioning it, I'll mention it. Now to get to the midfield, uh, I said in the previous segment that I believe Sergio Ruiz is our best number six. He's the guy that to work with that back line and uh, distribute and make, make passes, uh, get the win the ball back especially. Uh, I mentioned Franco as our box-to-box -box and TT as our, as our cam. And then we talked about Gaines and Reyna up top already. So really it boils down to this one final decision. Who's the 11th man, John? Who do you think? We said that Bronico's not the guy. Hagar is not the guy. So Alcivar might now, be. Now I'm liking what you're saying. I think it's Jordy too. It's got to be Jordy Alcivar. I was really and I was really disappointed with his quality in the final Challenge Cup match against Inter. I thought he was just so wild every time he went to shoot at net He's young. or put it in the box. It was just like a, a it was an F, like an, a failure. So if he does start, I, I get it from just like a young potential could make something happen, but my expectations for him, and that's why he's the last man sure. in the squad because this is the open area. Well, I, I, and it, but, all right, so I, I'm with you. I, me, I, I think Alcivar should get the start. I think he's our 11th man. But this is illustrating our issue, okay? Because he's not a winger. He's not a winger, and the squad isn't deep enough to provide that depth because the front office hasn't supplied our head coach right. with the necessary tools right. to complete an 11-man squad that is successful at every position. I mean, this is a squad, this is a franchise, forgive me, that was supposed to launch and be making competitive play one year ago. But because of COVID-19, they ended up delaying it a, uh, a year. And so Charlotte got an extra year to build his team. And now we're going into game one. We don't have a full roster. We're short on total players. We're short on designated players. And you and I are sitting over here arguing how the hell we're going to fill out this first 11, you know, because we don't even have enough starters. So it's a problem. It's a big problem. And you and I are both on record as saying we love what Miguel's trying to build here. MAR is, at this point, really not we, – we don't call him into question. You know, that may change at some point in the future. But right now, he's probably the best thing we have going. And the, the real fingers as to why Charlotte FC is unprepared 
need to be pointed at the front office. So where do we start there? As we head into D.C., and we, we try to get this first W. Why are we handcuffed in, heading into this fixture? I know what most people have said, and you know, I, I follow a lot of Charlotte FC media. You know, I know what other people are saying about this team, and they're going to make excuses. Personally, I think they're going to say, "Oh well, they whiffed. Oh, they had exceptionally bad luck. Oh, Machi's got in a bar fight. Oh, you know, we were going to get a, another striker from another league uh, with who was friends with Sadersky." And uh, he got injured you know, the day before we were going to sign him. And, uh, oh, this didn't work out, and that didn't work out, and this guy didn't want to come, and that guy went to another club. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have many. No one, no one gives a fuck about how many times you whiff. All they care about is how many home runs you hit, and you got to hit the home runs. You know, like, you got to swing big, and you got to swing bigger, and you got to swing more often. I, I know they're working hard. Uh, there's, I, I agree. I, I would never question the work ethic. But the question is the work effectiveness. It, hard work is great. Good work is much more impressive. To okay, me. so let me break it down this way: the the vault, the bar on the inside of the stadium, pitch side, at the halfway line, where the players can come in and out of the tunnel. It's a great upgrade. Well, the front office did a phenomenal job there. Mm-hmm. The area behind the goal where you can go back and there's suites there, which, by the way, these ticket prices are insane. So Yeah, that's a whole other episode. I, I, but yeah. I've seen these just because the club has had behind-the-scenes opportunities for season ticket holders that I've taken advantage of. Right. But am I sitting there in those places? Right. Hell no, I'm not, because the ticket prices are the most expensive right. in MLS. We, you and I took the plunge because we're fortunate enough to be in a position to do it financially, and we committed to this club. But I could never begrudge anyone who said, I would love to support... But it was too much for me. I can't. I can't fault that argument at all. Because yeah. for a lot of people, it is too much right and, now. And at baseline, what we told you is that football's for the fans, and without the fans, mm-hmm. anything's possible. So, imagine if there was zero season tickets for this franchise. Would it be able to survive? The answer is no. So you got to build the support. You have to build the the group. And mm-hmm. when we think about this front office, there's been a lot of criticism. Nick Kelly, who is the CEO of Tepper Sports Entertainment now. We got Zorin running the sporting directing side. And of course, David Tepper, who spends all the cash. Like, these to me are the three major players that make decisions on money and quality and prospects, all of those things. What's not working? Tom Glick, he he leads the front office who was with the Manchester City group. The, seems, seems like a group you would want to be involved with uh, as far as their success in the world of soccer. But he bails a month before the season starts. What kind of power struggles were going on in, in the halls there that we don't even know about? But it, it, and if there were power struggles and if there were disagreements that were so intense that uh, one of the top executives had to leave a month before the season, did that contribute you know, to the missing players and the lack of DPs on the roster and things like that. I mean, that's the thing is so many people have been quick to blame this bad, exceptionally bad luck that Charlotte's had with players, but maybe it, you make your own luck, you know? And if you make your own bad luck, then maybe you're bad at what you're doing. Or you're maybe you are, not to, not to just throw you completely into the, the bin, but maybe you've at least been bad at what you're doing and you can get better, but I don't, I don't want to pull any punches here. You broke it down perfectly, and I think just as we head into this first match, it's something that we're aware of, that 
there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to this franchise. And just like any other business, you have to be aligned, right? So if, if MAR is not aligned with the front office, if the front office is not aligned with the fans, if the technical staff, the group that's building this roster, is not aligned with MAR and not getting the funds they need from David Tepper, none of this will ever work. That's like well, roster building 101, soccer club 101, is everyone being aligned with one project. Tepper owns the Panthers, right? That's right. his priority. He was at right. the NFL awards ceremony. Are, is Charlotte FC just his little toy off to the side while he focuses on the Panthers? That's my question. Seattle Sounders just invested one billion dollars into a new training facility and center for Sounders soccer. We're talking about 10 fields. That's the commitment. We're talking about working with young players, building them up through an academy system. Right. This is the way a club is built and structured. You, you, and what Charlotte FC right now is, and by the way, as we sit here at Hooligans Elizabeth, we're here at the headquarters of the Charlotte Independents. Right. A club that you and I supported before Charlotte FC got here. Correct. And what type of relationship exists between those two clubs? I mean, there's some relationship, but think about the issue with Gabby Oberton, who starred on the Independents and came into camp at Charlotte, and we all thought he was going to be on the team. And now, because of uh, the, the deals with international roster spots and, and his inability to get a green card quickly enough, they wouldn't commit to him. And this is a guy who played in every preseason game for us. And now he's not going to be available for the first game. He's not even part of the club. And, and that starting 11 we talked about, that, that right-winging position. He 100% be the guy. Yeah, he would be right there on the right wing with class, with experience, able to play in a way match at Audi Field. It, We're going to be there. It's a lot of what you said. It's the it's the cosmetics look good. The stadium looks good. The vault is cool. The the kits are amazing. You know, they've gone and built, you know, youth soccer fields in neighborhoods around Charlotte and they're trying to at least, you know, lean towards community outreach. But the build up of the heart of the club, I've not seen yet. We've got season predictions. The only way we get it on tape the only way we get it on the record is if we do it now because it's match week one. We're going to do that right after the break. We're back with our MLS season predictions, specifically where Charlotte FC falls within the MLS table. We're going to predict the season, but maybe we should start with a prediction for uh, Saturday night? Yes, yes, great call. DC United is a team that is a little bit, uh, got a lot of question marks for me. You know, they they just sent one of their better midfielders away on a trade uh, right before the season. They have uh, their leading their leading scorer, their leading goal scorer from last year, Ala Kamara. Uh, is being actively shopped, and he's maybe not even expected to start on Saturday. We'll have to see. Uh, they have a, a solid goalkeeper, one of the better goalkeepers in MLS, Bill Hamid. Uh, they are a defensive-minded team, I feel, that doesn't score a ton of goals. Another one of the, they got they lost another winger, Paul Areola, who was 
rumored to come to Charlotte, ended up going to Dallas. So they've lost a little bit of talent. They haven't really brought in a ton to replace it, in my mind. We've got Joe Mora with the revenge game factor out on the, uh, you know, the fullback wing spot. I'm going to say that without Swiderski, I have a hard time seeing a score goal. We might score a free kick goal, but I'm going to go ahead and just predict a nil-nil. I'll predict a, a, a decent handshake nil-nil. I believe our defensive spine is strong. I'm not sure we can score a goal. What do you think? Man, driving 12 hours for a nil-nil. <laughs> I know, man. I know. That's my first thought. <laughs> well, we get to spend some time in the nation's capital, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm planning brunch on Sunday morning with my cousins, so, like, that's a good reason to be in, be there and make the trip. But <laughs> here's the thing about nil-nil is that there's a point, you know? That's what I want. That's all. I, that's all I want. Yeah. It's about getting a point. So let's talk about that. You want to be like, a little. You want to be a little braver than me and predict a goal, or I don't know. That's, that's your your balls in your court on that one. I, I I think that if we have some action in the box, we could be, you know, brought to the spot and, and convert them a PK again. Christian McCoon with that yes. sweet run up. I love it. <laughs> so yeah. So I, I'd say I say we get a PK. I think we're going to get a PK again. I think that there's going to be like a point in the game where like let's go. You've inspired me. I feel bad now for my prediction. No, it's okay. I think I think that Charlotte is going to score a goal. I do. I think one one is a really good because both teams are going to be so hyped for this, right? Sure. From, from Charlotte's point of view, everything that has happened so far has been a buildup, and they know it. I'm out here getting fit. I'm out here working on my skills. The result, while important, is not most important now you flip the switch you say i'm out here for the result and the result is what matters so in that regard i do think that they're able to get some pressure on dc united i do think they're going to be able to get a goal i think this team is going to be motivated to put the ball into the final third even if swiderski is not there I think Gaines could get on the score sheet. I think that he's big enough. I think that you could get him on the end of a TT Ortiz ball into the box, right? That, that to me, feels like Ortiz, spot kick, outside the box, 25 yards, whip it in, an out curler, keeper can't get his hand on it. Gaines is there. He's tall. He knocks it in. In fact, it doesn't even have to be Gaines. Like, Carujo, Guzman might be... The captain? Yeah, I could see it on a set piece, for sure. He could be on the end of that set piece. Yeah. If we're if we score a goal, we're gonna win we're gonna have three points because I am predicting a clean sheet. I believe in the defense, okay. I believe in the spine. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And that's an important part. Yeah. You're predicting a clean sheet. I it's yeah. it's tough for me to predict that. I don't I don't think DCU has the firepower. I just don't. I think I think they are a franchise that's still in a bit of a mess. I you know. To predict is to uh, allow yourself to be wrong, especially in MLS, which changes so much from year to year. But my take is that DCU is not is almost as unprepared to start the season as we are. We'll see. But uh, as for uh, the bigger picture, what do you think uh, Charlotte FC can look forward to for the whole season? Well, we have to think about the Eastern Conference to start. Mm-hmm. And you're coming into a league where you've got the reigning MLS Cup champions, NYCFC, can you compete be great again. in that league? The Philadelphia. Supporter Shield winners, New England. You know, so two of the best teams in the league, right there. 
Philadelphia, the and Union, they've been solid over the last couple had, years. Yeah, they're building something. And we play we play the Revolution in our second home game. So, you know, we'll find out real quick how we stack events through then. Montreal, Atlanta, Philadelphia, all games that will be played in the first month, D.C. United. There's a really good chance. This is the cool thing. The Eastern Conference, for the next month and a half, Charlotte FC has a chance to kind of figure out where they stand. Sure. And, you know, I put the all the home matches on my calendar the last couple of days, made sure I had them locked in, understand when they were coming. Uh, my prediction is is that Charlotte FC is outside of the top seven. I, I don't think that they make the playoffs in this first season. I know uh, the front office had that stated goal, but I think it's completely unrealistic. It's unrealistic at this moment. So At this moment. So I see maybe a, a 10th or 11th place finish for Charlotte FC in its first inaugural season. I, I'm with you. I, I'm optimistic, but realistic. And we, you know, one thing we always try to do, and I'm going to keep bringing it up, is we hold this team accountable more than the rest of the uh, the, the coverage around town. A lot. I personally feel most of the stuff I listen to is a little hopelessly optimistic or naively optimistic. I'm, that doesn't mean I'm not optimistic. Uh, I do think we can finish 10th. I do think that Cincinnati has been horrible and will continue to be horrible. I don't believe in Inter-Miami. I think Inter-Miami is a brand, not a soccer club. Uh, The Chicago Fire basically have an entirely new team. They traded out one of the worst teams in the league last season for a bunch of new free agents uh, that have more talent. You know, obviously, Jordan Shakiri coming in from Europe is one of the biggest names in the league now. But I don't think Chicago is that good. I wonder if they'll gel. I think we have a good chance to finish ahead of Chicago. And... I think Toronto FC has a chance to be, to honestly, it might surprise some people, but I think Toronto might end up being one of the very worst teams in the league before their big money signing, uh, Lorenzo Insigne, comes in in July at the end of the, uh, the Italian season. So I do think uh, we'll finish ahead of Cincy, Miami, Chicago, and Toronto. That's my hope, my goal. my That's what I would be certainly would be satisfied with. And uh, I think it's realistic. And the best part of it? Even if they finish 14th in the Eastern Conference, there's no relegation. So we're going to be back next year playing, <laughs> yeah. trying to get the, the floor. Anyway. The floor expectation would be do better than Austin FC did last year, who, who really struggled and, and became a running punchline throughout the league in their expansion season. I'm going to go with Seattle Sounders to win the MLS Cup, and I'm going to go with NYCFC coming back to win the Supporters' Shield and be the best team in the league. After that cup run last year. I like those calls. Uh, it's tough to argue against Seattle. I Just to be different, let's say, I'm going to go with Sporting KC, who has a lot of talent as well. One of the you know standard bearer clubs of this league. And they have uh, a couple. They lost one of their key strikers yeah, for the year in the offseason, unfortunately, to an injury. But they just have a, a lot of gel. And I just, I, I'm always... Afraid of Sporting KC. I'm not look, looking forward. If I'm facing Sporting KC, I never want to play them. So I just, you know, I think that they are my pick in the West, and I think they'll they'll win it. I like the NYCFC call. I'm going to match you on that. I think they win the East. It's time for the drive to DC. It's it's time for the first kick of the season. Guess and, up, baby. And we're going to be back with you here on the pod after we 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 hit the match on Saturday. Uh, We'll get something recorded on Sunday or Monday to get back with you, to react to this first match, to preview Saturday night against LA Galaxy at the Bank of America Stadium. That scene is going to be absolutely lit. Could you imagine if they they 
look us in the eye this weekend and say, fuck you guys for picking against us. We're going to get a W, a 2-0 win, a 2-0 win coming home, and then a, then you beat Galaxy and you get six points. Nothing would make me happier than to be dead wrong, for sure. Absolutely. So, um, I'm John Hayes. He's Danny Brams. It's the Charlotte Soccer Show. Rate the show. Review the show. Hit us up on social media, at Danny Brams, at John Hayes on air. We'll be back. Talk to you soon. For the crown, baby.